Yeah, we have the we have the um, Betsy Ross flag Nikes that were on the shelf for what? How long? On the shelf for a couple of hours. Oh yeah, and they pulled them. And they pulled. They them. had a flag. Yeah, you got, somebody. I, didn't you had a, I remember you talking about that. I didn't realize you pulled the trigger. You you got a pair of those? Yeah. <laughs> My wife didn't talk to me for quite some time. Mm. And I'm not sure. I mean, that's one of those things I'd auction off in a heartbeat to buy something of real significance. But that is part of the dark side of America. You know, people trying to collect things of people who try to destroy America. Here's Nike doing a patriotic thing. Colin Kaepernick comes in and says, that's a racist shoe. Off. Off the shelves within like two hours. That's incredible. I didn't realize you had that. I, yeah. We get into this a little bit on the show today with uh, with Heritage Auctions. You're doing a show from this auction house that has like the craziest stuff from history that they do auction you remember, off all the time. Do you remember... Uh, remember Neiman Marcus, but I don't think that was the magazine. Once in a while, at Christmas time, there would be a magazine that would have crazy things in it, like, you know, your own personal submarine. And you'd yes. read them as a kid, and you'd be like, oh, it'd be so cool to have your own submarine. You know, and they were like crazy expensive right. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this is. This is Christmas for the insanely rich. Um, but they're all historic items. Uh, you know, Harry S. Truman's poker table uh, or Sputnik or, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not a commode, but a chamber pot from the SS Titanic. Just crazy stuff. We'll, we'll talk about it later on in the show. And also, uh, we're doing a TV show on it in the next couple of weeks. And I'll take you to the auction house and show you these crazy, crazy items. But let's get to today's program. There's a lot of meat on the table, including something that is a do not miss, something that happened to me about, what, 12, 14 years ago that I've never talked about, but today was the right day. And it's a, it has been a closely held secret uh, just between like Pat and Stu and myself for about 12 years, but you need to hear it today. Also, make sure you take a minute, subscribe to this uh, feed if you would, uh, rate and review if you get a second. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Also, Stu Does America returns today with a brand new program. Click over there. You get uh, that podcast five days a week as well. Well worth your time. Wouldn't you agree, Glenn? Oh, my gosh. Crazy well worth it. What are you talking about? You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. I'm going to start. Um, give me, give me 30 minutes, if you will, today. Uh, I want to start with what's in the news, and then I want to take you back to about 2009, and uh, something that Stu knows. He's probably one of four or five people that know about a dream that I had. Um, years ago, and I've been thinking about it since yesterday's program, and I feel I need to share it with you, or at least a portion of it. Um, but I get to that here in a minute. I'm going to show you the news of the day and why I think it's important that you um, hear about the experience that I had. All right, let's go on a scavenger hunt. Um, most people don't know anything about. Balenciaga? Is that how you say it? I say it, Sarah. I don't know. I just... 
Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Okay. $2,000 sweaters. Okay. It's really expensive couture kind of clothing, blah, blah, blah. It's a Spanish fashion house, um, and it has had real sway, apparently, for a very long time. They, uh, well, let me welcome back Stu from Vacation. Stu, what do you know about this story? Glenn, think of me. This is just in a theoretical sense. (laughs) Okay. Think of me as a person who went on Thanksgiving break. And try to stay away from grooming stories while I was on that okay, break. Okay, that's hard to understand, but okay. And also, in, additional, uh, in, a, in addition to this, have never heard of Balenciaga. Right. See, good, I, even good, got, good, I, yeah. I pronounce it, but I don't right. know what it is. I've never heard of it until, you know, this weekend. So what do you know about it? The only thing that I would say I know about it is, didn't they take some pictures of, like, kids with teddy bears and the bears were like bondage bears or something i don't know i saw one of the pictures that's all i've heard okay so there's a lot more to this story as it goes on uh the bondage bears and the picture with the panic-faced children surrounded by empty wine glasses uh is what we all kind of saw and we're (laughs) like huh that's not good the picture uh features a dazed looking boy in a cluttered room among all the club clutter, there is some disturbing things that have been found. For one, the boy is wearing red shoes. That has symbolized royalty and unstoppable power like the red heels of King Louis XIV. Now, this is a weird connection to Tony Podesta. In the pedophilia uh, paintings owned by Tony Podesta, children are wearing red shoes. Now... The boy to the boy's left is a drawing of a rainbow. To his right is a drawing of earth with a crow looking down over it. And on the ground, there is a roll of ticker tape with Balenciaga spelled not the normal way, but spelled capital B, capital A, capital L, uh, uh, sorry, capital B, capital A, capital A, capital L, Ian Saga. Oh wow! Okay, mm-hmm. you know you know the meaning of that still. What yeah, is it? the god of? Uh, uh, I mean, we've talked about it a million child times. sacrifice. That's how. Okay, yeah, I, I, child sacrifice, pedophilia, unstoppable right. sex, and evil, and yeah, uh, yeah. Moloch. Right. It is the ancient uh, uh, god in the Bible, Moloch or Baal, B A A L. Um, it is a Canaanite god of child sacrifice. Mm. Okay. Nice. You'll find in, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 19, Baal is identified as Moloch, and a crude drawing shows a horned animal that resembles Baal. So that's also in the picture. Now, this is no accident for a couple of reasons. The company had to have had this ticker tape designed and printed and put on the floor. Also, in March, at a Paris show for this company, Kim Kardashian wore a full body dress made only of ticker tape with the word Balenciaga on it, but it was spelled correctly. Now, if one of those things would have appeared on their own, it would be one thing. But putting these things together... And then seeing the people behind it, 
it becomes very clear. Now, so you know, the company has blamed this on the photographer, and we'll get into that in a second. Then they went out and they said, well, it's the advertising. We didn't even see any of these pictures before they went out. Does anyone believe that? Okay, so here's the photographer. He was described um, uh, as a documentary photographer whose projects often make expensive portraits of everyday uh, eccentric, eccentricity. How do you say that? Um, eccentricity. Yeah. Okay. I heard it in my head. Boy, we are. Now that you started talking. I know. Eccentricities. Eccentricities. That's what I heard in my head. You should be over here because I'm already in the Hall of Fame, so I don't even try anymore. (laughs) Um, A press release from the company said the gift shop campaign iterates uh, on the artist series Toy Stories, which features a series of photographs from around the world of children surrounded by their favorite toys. Hmm. Okay. In a statement, the photographer said, as a photographer, I was only and solely requested to light the given scene, take the shots according to my signature style, as usual for commercial shooting, the direction of the campaign and the choice of the objects displayed are not in the hands of the photographer. Now, who is the person responsible for that? Well, that's their creative director known as Demna. She's from the country, Georgia. She's also worked for Louis Vuitton. She is the person that in the 2021 Met Gala, uh, she... It's a she or a he? I don't There's know. Sarah. I'm not going to identify. Right. I'm not going we to We don't identify. know. There's a, it's a fluid situation here as we can. I think it's he. I think it is okay. he. Um, but he designed the gimp outfit that Kim Kardashian wore. Okay, you know the okay. okay where she was covered all in black rubber or whatever sure, the hell it is. Okay, dramatic, very dramatic. Um, now they also collaborate with Adidas. Remember, this is the company, one of the companies that just fired Kanye, mm-hmm. but they are tied deeply into the Kardashians. Um, now, if you go back into some of their old photo shoots, there is a pattern here. They just did one. They released a collaboration with Adidas, which they called the Spring 23 Campaign. Um, the, um, the pieces are the pieces that were on the Spring 23 presentation uh, on their runway. Um, and the collection was shot by a completely different photographer. And that is important because the imagery isn't a coincidence or a decision made by the first photographer. The theme was business office environment, and the setting was a swanky high-rise in Manhattan, and Nicole Kidman is in the ads. In the photo, for a $3,100 hourglass handbag, there's a printed copy of the 2008 United States versus Williams decision on child pornography laws. Uh, and whether uh, promotion of child pornography curtailed First Amendment freedom of speech rights. So there's the handbag, and there's the Supreme Court ruling. Okay? But I'm sure it's just a coincidence, Mm. and the photographer's fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Newsweek says the extract extract is part of an analysis with respect to United States versus Williams presented uh, uh, presented by the late Justice Antonin Scalia, 
from May 2008, which details the grounds for material to be defined as child pornography. Okay. In another photo, a man in a terrible outfit stands in this swanky office with a postcard view of cities behind him. Behind him also is a diploma with the name of John Philip Fisher. This connection isn't as solid, um, but speculation is who is John Philip uh, Fisher? Apparently, he is a pedophile out of Michigan. Okay, in a in a in a uh, another advertisement photo, hourglass small crock embossed top handle bag. A woman props her feet onto a cluttered desk. So much clutter, it's hard to tell what's on all the paper, but in the background, you see a stack of books. One of them is titled Fire from the Sun. It's about an artist uh, whose work has been linked to pedophilia, cannibalism, and blood rituals. A description posted on Amazon says that his artwork features children who are presented alone or in groups against a studio-like backdrop that negates time and space while underlining the theatrical atmosphere and artifice that exists throughout his recent work. Okay, so he is trying to recreate, I guess, the cherubs of the Renaissance Uh, They are just, they're allegories. They're not really children. And they contrast their their, um, innocence with the evils of the world. Okay. Now, there's another person involved. This one is really interesting. This is the chief designer for the company. Uh, Her name is Lata Volkava. Uh, apparently, and I've seen some of it now, it's all been made private, but you know, through the Wayback machine, you can, you know, the internet is forever gang on her Instagram page. She has, uh, I mean, when I say tons, I mean, uh, a disturbing amount of, uh, satanic imagery and violence. One image shows a woman uh, lying on a pentagram uh, as a satanic figure looms over her. Another shows a woman dead on her side in a field with her stomach ripped open and entrails uh, sprawling out on the grass beneath her. Third photo is a vintage style men's bedroom, but covered in blood and bullets and broken glass. And the fourth image uh, was a child holding up a skull with a frame and the star sign symbols Uh, from the astrological chart so she seems wonderful now she is the chief designer for this uh company also on her instagram account there's an image of her wearing a t-shirt from her favorite band cannibal corpse and she's inside of a church now remember the woman laying with her entrails out in a completely different uh, in, in a completely different uh, picture. Cannibal Corpse, one uh, of their songs, uh, the lyrics, entrails ripped from a virgin's seaward. Virgin tied to my mattress, legs spread wide, ruptured bowel yanked from her inside, de-virginized with my knife, internal yeah, bleeding. Almighty. I can't tell you even more of it. It is awful, awful. Also, an image of a little girl bound and gagged. Uh, This is the woman who is like the leader 
of all of the design for this particular um, uh, particular brand. She also works with, with Adidas, which launched a sneaker line designed by her. Um, let's see. I mean, it's it just goes on and on and on. Now, Kim Kardashian said she's reevaluating her relationship. <laughs> now, I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> really? How much thought do you need to put into this? Well, she she reached out to the company and they said, oh, darn that. Oh, that photographer. Oh, we're going to change things here. Really? Are you? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, somebody else that is involved um, would be the uh, would be the daughter. Uh, let's see, the the stepdaughter, I think, of Kamala Harris. She's androgynous. Uh, has um, you know just a well, a lot wouldn't say the look of a model, um, but. The guy who was really there for Kamala when she was running for president gave the max to her campaign happens to run this uh, this modeling agency. And after Kamala won as vice president, her daughter reaches out and says, hey, I'd like to be a model and guess where they place her with this company. This is everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Let me take you two other places, and then I want to tell you something I haven't shared for the first year after this happened. It took me several months to even share it with my wife, and she was the only one that knew for the first mm, about year, year and a half. Um, I'll, I'll tell you all about it in just a second, but I want to give you two other things. The Washington Post has just given a rave review for a play about pedophiles. The Washington Post says Downstate, which is a play about pedophiles, is brilliant. Really? It's tough stuff. It's questioning on how society treats these convicted of heinous acts. And, you know, it's not for the person that thinks that pedophilia is bad, but maybe... Those who have an open mind. Okay. Thank you. So now we have this in the Washington Post. Remember, we told you this is what would come. It's here now. You also have in Los Angeles a real problem. Uh, apparently in Los Angeles, uh, they are releasing thousands of convicted pedophiles. Uh, the 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 pedophile that should get 20 years is getting between a year and 10 months and two years and eight months. And they're being by the thousands released back into the population. Now, why is that? Why are pedophiles being released back into the population and getting very, very short terms? You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. 
I am uh, thrilled to uh, introduce the uh, attorney general uh, that uh, is the attorney general of the great state of Louisiana. He is kind of a rock star. Uh, He has reformed the justice system in his own state. Uh, He was uh, also um, the National Association of Attorneys General uh, that earned the Gladiator Award by the Louisiana uh, Family Forum. Uh, He has won the Conference of Western Attorney Generals Award for Best Consumer Outreach and the USDHH Inspector General's Award of Excellence in Fighting Medicaid and Welfare Fraud, Waste and Abuse. Uh, This guy gets the job done. He's just filed suit a few months ago um, against Fauci, and his name is Jeff Landry, and he joins us now. Attorney General, how are you, sir? Good. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. It's how are you? It's honor to talk to you. So thank you, first of all, for everything you do. I think the um, attorney general in every state is one of the last lines of defense, and you guys can actually turn things around uh, in this country. We have to start at the local and state level. So thank you for everything you do. Um, well, Glenn, you couldn't have been you couldn't have been more right because you fix the country by fixing your state and your community. Right. You um, you have brought a lawsuit uh, against the Biden administration uh, and Anthony Fauci, and you had a seven hour uh, uh, deposition with him. What can you share with us on that? Well. Um Let's see. Let's set a couple of ground rules. You know, right now the, the, the transcript is being prepared and then it will be filed into the record. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I feel confident that, that it will be made public. And so, you know, until that is done, any of the real specifics of it, I would I would try to refrain okay. um, uh, from from going into into those types of details. The video we also there was a video that video is currently under seal. And, and I believe until it's at least filed and then we'll ask the judge to unseal it. But let me just say this. Once it's unsealed, you are going to have a field day. Um, so get your popcorn, <laughs> uh, get your get your, your reading glasses if you need them uh, and, 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 and your highlighter. And, and we can have a great conversation of each one of those specifics in general. In general, what I can tell you was that it was amazing to me the amount of information um, that uh, Dr. Fauci could not recall um, and, and, and that he, you know, on documents and emails that were presented to him in exhibits, right, which would be made part of that transcript as well. However, I would tell you that the most, and I don't know if I want to use the word troubling, bizarre, uh, perplexing the thing that has perplexed me and bothered me for the last five days now was actually an event that took place during the deposition all right so we are let me kind of set the scene we are in the niaid that's the national institute for allergies and infectious diseases which dr fauci runs and you know awards Mm -hmm. billions of dollars in grants for research and development and um, for places like over in Wuhan, China. Uh, and, and, and we're sitting at a table, a rectangular table, and the court reporter is at the end of the table. 
nice lady, probably in her late 20s, mid 20s, maybe early 30s. I don't know. I'm going to get that bad. Um, but a young lady. And, and she's sitting at the end next to Dr. Fauci, who's sitting on one side of the table with the videographer on the other and uh, the solicitor general from Missouri, who's asking the questions as General Smith, now, you know, U.S. Senator-elect, mm-hmm. Schmitz with me in the room. And we're about five hours into this. And the young lady sneezes. And I'm telling you, Dr. Fauci almost comes out of share. And he looks at her and he says, do you have an upper respiratory infection? <laughs> and I mean, she's, the girl is just like startled. Lady is startled. She's like, what? She's like, no, no, no. I, I got some allergies. She, he says, you know, with COVID and everything, I'm, I'm extremely concerned. And then he, he makes her go put a mask on. And, and so I just want to put this, I just think about this, Glenn. This is a man who 24 hours before that was at the podium of the White House telling the world and the American people that if you really want to be safe and healthy and protect yourself, go get your booster. Now, I'm going to assume that he's been double vaxxed, 10 times boosted, whatever, right? So why would it bother him if the young lady has the sniffles, right? So because, because he's a guy that implemented all the policies about vaccine mandates and how this, this works and how, you know, how he alone is eradicating COVID. And yet a simple sneeze likes to knock him out of share. Now, to me, that's bothering me that a man with his authority who basically wrecked the U.S. economy and who tells the American people, don't listen to your doctor, listen to me, is, is it, and, and, and puts all his confidence in this shot. And yet this little sneeze seemed to like perplex him. I mean, I don't know. Am I missing something, Glenn? Uh, no, I... <laughs> I, I can't predict what these people uh, even even think. I, I'm I'm anxious to see. You did ask him about the lab leak theory uh, and uh, his discrediting uh, the lab leak theory. Uh, you don't have to give me any answers, but can you give me some of the questions you guys well, asked? Well, we covered we covered um, we covered the the Wuhan um, uh, uh lab okay Uh, we covered um we covered his responses uh to uh the the questioning of of whether or not the virus um was 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 birthed out of natural evolution right um or um, may have been genetically created uh we covered uh, we covered a range of topics, and, and, and again, I think it's important to remember uh, for your listeners that this this case is about censorship, right? So it's not about whether the virus was made in a lab or escaped uh, from um, a, a wet market. This was about whether or not when Dr. Fauci believed information was disinformation or misinformation, that he and the White House and the FBI and the CDC basically censored that information 
uh, or told or coerced or colluded um, or forced big tech to, to, to change the information that was on their platform or basically right. to take certain information down. Because that's at the core of this case. And, and quite frankly, I think it's one of the most important First Amendment cases uh, in, in, in modern uh, legal times. I mean, if we lose this case, uh, you know, it's like, where is the reach of, of, of the government? Because this is basically like it, this case. People actually will explain this case to you. It would be like this. Imagine that during the Trump years, the President Trump would have sent a federal agent to the editorial office of the New York Times and said, hey, sir, ma'am, uh, I am federal agent such and such from whatever the White House or the Justice Department, whatever. And I am your, I am now going to be housed in your editorial room and I am going to tell you what you can and can't put on the front page. I am going to edit. After you edit, I am going to redact or add things to your stories. I mean, what do you think would have happened, Glenn? I think we all are very well aware of what would have uh, happened. Uh, they would have been screaming First Amendment, but they don't actually. They, I don't think they actually believe in the First Amendment unless you agree with them. So do they have, do they have the uh, kind of quasi war powers to do that? Because we did do that in world war two. We had people in the newsrooms going, Nope, can't say that. Can't say that. Um, so is it, is it a war power that they are claiming? Well, I didn't know we declared war on a, ever declared war on a virus, and I don't <laughs> think that those powers would be applicable to this type of situation. Sure. Um, in addition, I don't know that there was a national security issue regarding doctors who may have been sharing um, potential therapeutics uh, that relieved patients of their symptoms and ultimately kept them off of a ventilator. I, I don't think that there was um, uh, a, a national security. Of course, some may, a bet may argue uh, on the releasing of Hunter Biden's laptop or making that story hmm. seem to be misinformation or disinformation or Russian propaganda. Um, I mean, there are there, there there is information that should be made available to the American people. And and let me just also say some too. Remember, the social platforms claim that they're not the press. They claim that they're not journalists. They claim that they're not publishers, right? Uh, so that they can hide behind Section 230, which is the law that protects them from being sued for taking people down or content down. Uh, and that's the problem, is that this speech that they censored was Americans vetting conversing, uh, having a conversation virtually about issues and theories as the pandemic or, or Hunter, the Hunter, laptop, Hunter Biden laptop story uh, came out as, as, as to what they believe. And then, and then big tech took those stories down or certainly throttled down uh, the, the reach of, of certain uh, actual journalists or, 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 or media outlets right. uh, because they were conservative 
from being able to reach the American people. And so I think that trying uh, to compare, uh, you know, wartime exercise of, of information um, back in World War II to today is um, it's like, it, it's a, what they did is kind of like apples and oranges yeah. for, for the listeners out there. It's a good example of how it's not. So, Jeff, we only I only have a couple of seconds uh, left in in, in uh, of time before you've got to go. Um, we have the Louisiana Attorney General on Jeff Landry. So the the ceiling of this um, deposition it's already gone through court that it had to be kept secret for at least for a while. Are you confident that this information will be coming out? I do. I do. I believe that the transcript will be made public. I do. I feel very confident. I think we've got a great, fair judge um, who understands the breadth and the depth of this case. Uh, and, and look, we've got a lot more people. We, we, we deposed Jen Psaki in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think that, that, that this deposition that we took last week is going to grant us the ability to depose other people as well and some of the information that we got. And so this is going to be an ongoing uh, uh, piece of litigation that I think is going to unveil a lot to the American people about the things that were going on during the pandemic. And I can't thank you, Glenn, for giving me some time. Oh, no, I appreciate it, Jeff. Um, thank you for everything that you have done. And of course, you were partnered with the then Attorney General uh, Schmidt, who is now uh, a uh, senator, a U.S. senator just elected. Um, and uh, we're thrilled. And thank you so much for everything that you do. Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. God bless. Take care. Thank you. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, Chris Chappell is uh, with us. He is the host of uh, China Uncensored. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi. Great. How are you? Very good. I watched your coverage uh, over the last few days of what's happening in in China, and I thought you did a great job of not boring people to death uh, and giving all of the. You bet. uh, Giving all the pertinent uh, facts and and also putting some humor in it. So I wanted to talk to you. First of all, about your qualifications to talk about this. Explain how you know so much about China. Well, I've been covering China on China Censored for 10 years. Uh, I've been on the front lines in the protests in Hong Kong. I have actually walked into disputed territory in the South China Sea, uh, contested territories between China and the Philippines. And yeah, I talked to to many many uh, experts on our podcast and our show, China Uncensored. So I've I've been following right. this closely for many years now. And I'm wondering if you ever got any. As I'm watching you, I'm like, you are screwing around with China. Uh, you ever have any heat from that? You know, honestly, I would say at this point, I get more heat from American social media companies than I do from Unbelievable. the Chinese Unbelievable. Okay, so let's t- l- go through this. Yesterday, I explained a-, a little bit about you know how this all started, but it is it's seemingly changing into something else, and it's not Tiananmen Square. Explain what's actually happening now. Well, I think uh, a big difference people should understand between the Tiananmen protests and what is happening right now is that the Tiananmen protests were not calling for the end of the Chinese Communist Party. They were calling for a really 
modest political reforms. Mm. And we saw how those protesters were met. Uh, These protests are different in that there are actually people coming out and saying that Xi Jinping needs to step down. The Chinese Communist Party itself needs to step down. And that is very unusual. Uh, That's that kind of direct attack on the Chinese Communist Party itself, not some policy or some local official. That's a huge escalation. And this isn't like, uh, you know, uh, any other country. They know who these people are. And some of them, are they're not wearing masks or anything. I mean, that doesn't seem like it's going to end well for those people. Well, sadly, you know, people are asking, like, will the will there be a bloody crackdown? And I am seeing that there are some reports of tanks rolling through a, a city called Shuzhou in uh, Jiangsu province. But the thing people need to understand is that the Chinese Communist Party has never stopped killing people. Right. That's, that's how it maintains its rule. So these people are, you know, they, they really are taking their lives into their own hands. And they know it. I believe so. It's, it's hard to know for certain because, for instance, with the Tiananmen Square Massacre, uh, the Communist Party has spent decades erasing that from people's memory. So many people today in China just have never even heard of it. I remember a few months ago, there was uh, like this Chinese influencer. Uh, he, he promotes makeup. And on the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre, he had like an ice cream tank cake mm. on his show. He had no idea what he was referencing because he'd never heard of it. But... You know, he disappeared for a while. So. Jeez. Okay, so so tell me how significant it is that they are waving the Chinese flag and singing what now, I think in the early 2000s, they made this into their national anthem, but it's been around for a long time, um, but they just codified it as the national anthem. And they're singing the words which talk about rise up people who don't want to be slaves. Uh, the international. Yeah. Uh, so. So, again, I shouldn't I should clarify that not everyone in these protests is calling for an end of the CCP. It definitely has been years of pent up frustration over China's zero covid policy, which has reached just absurd levels of totalitarian control uh, at a minimum. People have to be constantly tested just to function in city. Uh, just to function in their daily lives. Uh, then you have cases of, you know, entire cities being put onto lockdown and people starving in lockdown because they can't get food. Or what uh, was a big factor in these recent protests was a fire that broke out in uh, Rumxi, the, the capital of Xinjiang, where China's persecuting the Uyghur Muslims. Uh, people mm. were basically trapped in their apartment and the fire trucks weren't able to get there because they were being blocked. Jeez. So. The thing about how the Chinese Communist Party represses people is typically they they choose a specific group to target. Uh, So, you know, the Tiananmen protesters or Uyghurs or Falun Gong practitioners or human rights lawyers. The thing with zero COVID, though, is that this has essentially made the repression nationwide, including in, you know, the middle and upper classes of Chinese society in Shanghai and Beijing. So these are people 
who typically have only benefited from the communist rule. Now mm. they're become victims. And um, uh, how 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 much is actually COVID, and how much is just sheer control the population of these COVID? The uh, no, no, no. Of the the government's um, you know uh, COVID restrictions, how much of it is actually because they think this is the right thing, and how much of it is just control? Well, the thing about these one-party states is that they can never admit when they're wrong. Uh, you know, for years since the beginning of COVID, uh, Chinese propaganda has, has you know pushed the idea that the rest of the world handled COVID so badly. You know, people are dying in droves there, but you know, China, China's got it figured out. They actually reported like zero deaths for. <laughs> Uh, like from April 2020, mm-hmm. I think, to a year later. And like just transparently, that's not true. But they've created this this narrative of, you know, the party has it under control, and this is what's necessary to protect China. And now mm-hmm. that's falling apart. People see the economic damage, the damage to people's livelihood. There was a case last year where uh, a, a woman... Uh, had a miscarriage because she went to the hospital, uh, but her her COVID app had expired. So she she was basically left outside while she had a, a miscarriage. And that, that went viral. That got a lot of people really upset. Uh, so um, we're talking to uh, Chris Chappell from uh, China Uncensored. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Um, this is... The biggest uh, protest since when? When has, can you give us any kind of scope on how unusual this is? So, I'm, I actually spoke to somebody from an organization called Freedom House recently, and they, they're doing some interesting things uh, researching how often there are, uh, you know, protests or mass movements in China, and they are far more common than I think a lot of people. Mm. realize um, just, you know, the party is able to kind of clamp down and censor a lot of these stories. Um, but these protests definitely are on a scale uh, beyond what we've seen in a long time. I should say, though, that a weekend of protests does not make a revolution. Make. Oh, yeah. It will not topple the Chinese Communist Party. The, um, the companies that are, uh, many of them American, like Apple, that have uh, stopped the airdrop from working, which was a way to not be tracked. This is reprehensible, just reprehensible. How many Americans, I just read that Joe Biden's not going to make a statement about it. How many Americans? Silence is always best. Pardon me? We wouldn't want to, silence is always best. We wouldn't want to, you know, stand up for. Yeah. Stand up for for liberty. People. Yeah. Um, uh, how many of these companies are actually assisting kind of like IBM did in World War II? Well, China has a very powerful uh, surveillance and censorship apparatus, and that was largely built up thanks to COVID. American tech. Companies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Know, this is like the firewall. This, yep, yep. This, this, the West has been horribly complicit in so much. 
And um, yeah, there's just been such a weak response to the fact. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party, it's a regime that uses rape as a form of torture. And the response has just been inadequate, to put it lightly. So what does the world do if they start slaughtering people? Anything? Well, as I, as I said, they have never stopped slaughtering people. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a, something called the China Tribunal. It was overseen by a guy named Sir Jeffrey Nice, who uh, so it's oversaw the war crime trials of Slobodan Milosevic. And they looked at the accusations that China, the Chinese Communist Party, is harvesting organs from prisoners of conscience, Hong right. Kong practitioners, Uyghurs, Christians. Right. And yeah, they, they've always been killing people. And but it seems like when the world is, it seems like when the world is watching, for instance, the Hong Kong protests, they didn't do anything until everybody was focused on COVID. And then all those people just disappeared. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I mean, we are watching now, but I guess our politicians are sending the wrong message that we we're not going to do anything anyway. It's not just politicians. I mean, it's 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 Wall Street. All these, you know, social media kind of like Apple. What yeah. Apple is doing, uh, and so this is this is the sad thing. Like even after the Tiananmen Square massacre, that like weeks after it happened, George Bush Senior sent a secret envoy to China to tell them it wouldn't get in the way of U.S.-China relationships. So Jeez. the Communist Party knows there's you know there might be some talk, but you know the West has sadly not been doing anything. I think what needs to happen is I think we need to clearly see and understand that the Chinese Communist Party is our enemy. In their own internal speeches, they talk about spreading international communism, being at war with America, trying to destroy America. But we get lost in like all these narratives and propaganda. But if you just understood they're our enemy, then you would handle things like TikTok, which is owned by a Chinese company. You wouldn't. You would just ban TikTok. Can you do that though with uh, with this president? How deeply in bed with China he and others? I mean, on the other side, you've you've got Mitch McConnell just as deeply in bed. Well, maybe not as deeply, but but on the same uh, on the same boat. We're talking to Chris Chappell. He is the host of China Uncensored. Um, Chris, one one last question. We are looking at a possible railroad strike. We're looking at diesel shortages. We've already got shortages going on. We depend way too much on China. What does it mean if if this continues just as it is? What is the destru- the uh, destruction going to be like of the global economy? Well, ultimately, the Chinese Communist Party's goal is to destroy America as a superpower. Uh, you know, we saw how devastating co- during COVID when China spent the initial weeks of the outbreak covering it up to hoard medical supplies. Most of our medical equipment is made in China. We were screwed because we have pushed all of this vital manufacturing to China. Uh what ultimately happens is, you know, China will invade Taiwan. They have they have said this repeatedly that they will do a military invasion of Taiwan. That would 
completely destroy the semiconductor supply chain. Those are the microchips that basically run everything. everything. We are so dependent on Taiwan. If that breaks down, we might go back to the Stone Age. Jeez. Okay. Well, you didn't improve my mood much, but I am appreciative. Yeah, that's of, why I try to use humor on the show. I know. I know. I know. I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I watched your uh, work on this, and I just thought you were you were spot on. So thank you very much for keeping your eye on that. Uh, Chris, yeah, you, you bet. Um, the name of the, um, of the uh, uh, podcast is China Uncensored. China Uncensored, yeah. yeah. By the way, while we're talking about this, this is not a commercial. I, I just, I mean, these are a sponsor of, of portions of programs that I do, but I, I so believe in them. Uh, I, I want you to go to jacemedical.com and check out what they do. Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Uh, these are people, uh, doctors and pharmacists that know exactly what we're headed for if, God forbid, the supply chain breaks down again and you can have antibiotics in your house and antibiotics are very, very scarce. So you can have them. So if things break down, somebody gets sick, you have some, some medication on hand and they'll explain how it all works. And it's, you know, all legal and everything else. It's Jace, J A S E medical.com. Go there now. And, uh, Tell them I sent you. I think if you use the promo code BEC10, you'll save money if you get if you get that far. Um, again, not a commercial. I just, I really think this is important that we pay attention. We're not making stuff here. We're not making it. Maybe, maybe we should. What do you say? Let's get together and learn how to make stuff again. What a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> 